we have already had quite a large response to this topic today. You have a class full of restless kids. Phones out, headphones in, not listening. Are teachers equipped with the skills to teach in the modern classroom? You've got examples such as a teacher's career ending when he snatched headphones out of a student's ear, found guilty of misconduct. How has the nature of teaching changed? With us is Joe Hunter, Dunedin Secondary School teacher, also representing Otago on the Post-Primary Teachers Association, uh, a national executive. Kia ora, Joe. Uh, kia ora, Wallace, and kia ora to you too, Alexia and Guy. Yes, so I guess less so much about the specific uh, you know, um, example of this uh, sure. particular case. Um, we all have read it, we all know about it, but I, I want to know how are classrooms different from what might have been 20 years ago? Well, I guess you know it's a really complex world now and it's changing very fast. Uh, we have students who are really social media savvy um, and social media works the way it was designed. It's quite polarising and it's uh, very addictive. We know that. It gives mm. you those little hits of endorphins. And in the classroom, we're wanting to engage our students in that real deeper, um, richer learning experience. So they're not getting polarised, yeah. but they're thinking critically. They're learning to understand other people's points of view. They're engaging with learning, and it's um, it's an ongoing process rather than than a, a one-off mm. hit. I guess too, we've got to think about teenage brains. They're under development. Um, we know that they're incredibly sensitive towards what's happening socially. That's in fact the most important thing for them. So making sure that students feel that sense of belonging before anything else. You know, so addressing the first things that they need. If they're if they're hungry, you feed them. Yeah. Um, you've I, got to feed them I, socially as well with I, the skills they need. Yeah, kia ora, I, I guess um, what this uh, issue and this example brought up for me was the... We talk about student resilience, but the resilience that teachers have to have. And actually, quite frankly, the patience. Uh, <laughs> Your day in, your day out teaching, and most of the days will go fine. It just takes one small instance for you maybe to lose your patience, see a bit of red, all over, over. Oh, look, been there, done that. Right. And I'd have to say, as an old teacher, I've learned a lot of strategies along the way. Ah. And, and I guess that's the real key to it, is that teachers, too, need to learn those skills of something that is hugely complex. It's very complicated what's going on in the classroom. You've got a, um, once somebody compared it to um, the decisions that a neurosurgeon makes in surgery, you might have 1,400 questions that you're faced with in a day. So you've also got a blowout of, of um, psychological needs. You've got students... Um, it's a broad church of students within yeah. your class, and you work with whoever comes in. You don't necessarily know the baggage they've got. And I would say that we are dealing with more complex um, psychological issues these days. We've right. just been through this uh, pandemic where we have students who are often very uncertain about their future. Um, they have stressed parents. There's a lot beyond their control. So teachers, too, need to have that training in how to deal with de-escalating um, issues that, that, that are rising up, that are threatening to overwhelm students, um, finding ways to be able to teach them actively how to get on with each other. Just the day-to-day -day stuff that we know because we're old and we've got experience, they are learning for the first time, like when you fall in love for the first time and it really hurts when you break up.
Yeah, I, I, I love your tone, and I wish you could um, teach me. You, you mentioned you've developed um, uh, skills for developing patience and stuff like that. Is there anything you can give me, a normal idiot on the street, oh. a skill that I, something that I could I could take home? Oh, look, it's it's come learning the hard way. Often, I have to say, Wallace, um, I'm I'm probably being older. I'm a bit calmer, a lot calmer. Yeah, so just finding that centre of, of calm and modelling. A lot of it is modelling to students how we want them to behave. So we need to actively teach them those skills. So I guess it's walking the talk, trying to find, because we're really pressured, there's so much going on for teachers that we really need to find those good, healthy spaces that we advocate for our students. Josepha, isn't some of it about rules? I mean, you're talking about boys here, and as a mother of two boys, you, you know, boys react really well to having rules. Right. And, you know, I mean, what if there was a national rule in saying, like, all schools, <laughs> kids cannot bring their phones into the classroom, and, and the, the, you just fall back on the rule. Sorry, that's the rule. I mean, well, it's good, isn't it? You just tell them the rule and they just do it. <laughs> At least it would give them some moral superiority. Alexia, I think you're onto something because I think it's about boundaries. And, and something that I have learned because I used to teach five and six-year-olds, I didn't understand that teenagers really love having boundaries. A lot of the time it's all new for them. They don't know stuff and so they do dumb stuff. They make mistakes and they need us to guide and support them and to have some reasonable boundaries. And they've also got a right to find out what that's all about for us to explain and, and negotiate perhaps with them what those boundaries are, to be reasonable, because no kid likes the injustice of a teacher telling them what to do. And if you imagine in your workplace, if you got told what to do by somebody standing over you, you and, and you didn't have any part in that decision-making, you wouldn't take it very well either. Just like scientists have like come under the pump from a whole range of nutters online who think they know better, it's, it must be very difficult. Have you noticed, has it been difficult uh, over the years as a teacher, as we said, like almost like um, we, 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 I don't know, maybe respect the, has it been a bit of a decrease in the respect for the mana of teaching maybe? Right, or? yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Society's changing really fast. I I keep I'm just putting together a PowerPoint about critical thinking and why it's really important. And it actually um, was taken from a discussion around mask wearing. I might not use that um, context because it's controversial for some. Um, but just getting students to think through the reasons behind people's decision making is really critical. Mm. So much response here. Teaching, someone says, Kerry, teacher, is all about relationships, all about relationships. For if you have sure. good relationships with students, you can work with them. Students need to be seen and acknowledged as individuals. Teachers need to present as their authentic selves. As a teacher, I don't go looking for trouble or fighting battles. You can't win. That is absolutely true. Really nailed it there. It is about relationships and just being respectful we're all human beings. We have our up days and our down days. And I think if you're honest with the students about where you're at, you know, look, I'm not feeling that great today. Let's just get stuck into what we have to do. They handle it. It's real.
Nice to have you on the programme. Uh, thank you very much. That's a really interesting uh, discussion. The Joe Hunter there, uh, a Dunedin secondary school teacher on the PPTA in Otago. Um, changed your thoughts on that? or w- w- Couldn't you be a teacher? Would you be a teacher, Alexia? Oh, never in a hundred years. Yeah. No, it was bad enough homeschooling my one child for one term. No, thanks. I, w- I did go to a, a teacher's farewell last week. Um, very poignant farewell it was, but gosh, the number of her former pupils who turned up, some of them are doing it right. Um, you know, that's a real mark of respect when they all, they all want to go to the yeah. farewell. What yep. sort of people? Were you, what well, sort of person were you like at school? Uh, I was, I was, I was a very well-behaved kid, and I loved my teachers. But um, our school, big boys' school, were brutal towards the teachers, and I can't imagine teaching. I would love to do it, especially the topics that interest me. I'd love to be a history teacher, but I wouldn't be able to hack it because. Uh, 14-year-old kid, in my mind, is the scariest uh, opponent you can come up against. They're so brutal, they're so funny, they're so uh, unpredictable. I would not be able to hack it for... We used to make the kid... uh, It wasn't me in particular, but like the class used to make the teachers cry at my school and uh, uh, Nelson Boys College. Shout out. Great school. It was a good good school, but like, you know, like you'd get into some situations where just kids are brutal and I I definitely... So much respect for teachers. Um, They're doing a great job because I could not hack it. Meanwhile, for once, you've backed me on the music. Um, I love it. Love Metallica. I'm 68. My son got me into them. (laughs) (laughs) You go, Wallace, says Paul Nelson. Go right now, (laughs) says Paul. (laughs) It's poetry. It's poetry indeed. Another one here, Wallace, in the Venn diagram of nationalists and Metallica fans, there's almost no intersection. (laughs) Well, you never know about that. Chris says nothing else matters. Boring. Pentatonic scale, so boring. So a musician's listening into that. <laughs> it is 4.43, you're on the panel. RNZ National, lovely to have you company today. Home ownership rates for retirees are predicted to fall from 80% to 60% in less than 30 years. In the mid-80s, just 13% of over 60-year-olds were renting, and half of those still paying a mortgage in retirement spent around 80% or more of the New Zealand super on housing. So the question is whether the country needs to do more to support those who rent. And if you might be listening to this, you might be in the situation yourself, um, do get in touch. Email me at the panel at rnz.co.nz. With us is Dr Susie Morrissey, the Policy Director at Ahunga Ora Retirement Commission. Dr Morrissey, welcome. Thank you. So rates for retirees predicted to fall from 80% to 60% in less than 30 years. And what are the forecasts? Is this going to continue to fall? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we've looked at 20, we've looked out to uh, to 2048, but we haven't looked too far. It seems like there's enough enough to keep us going. We're just looking that far ahead that we've got quite a lot of difference going on. We need to house all of those people in affordable and accessible rental accommodation. So that seems like a big enough challenge just to get to 2048. Yeah, I mean, what does it mean for someone worked all their life, still be in the situation of renting? Some might, in fact, be be just fine with it. Others will find it really precarious, I imagine. Yeah, that's right. So um, we... 
actually found, or the analysis undertaken by Treasury for the review of retirement income policies actually found that people who were still paying off mortgages after age 65 faced the highest housing costs. Renters were coming in at second, and then no surprises, the homeowners obviously had the lowest home, uh, housing costs. So uh, we've got a couple of different groups of people facing different pressures there in, in later life, um, and definitely in you know, providing a providing a, a stress on people's income at that time. It's amazing that half of those still paying a mortgage in retirement spent the equivalent of eighty percent or more of their super on housing. That's something yeah. else. Yeah, that's that's right. It's um, you know, we've seen rental uh, prices going up over the last years, and um, and obviously. Super is, is is adjusted annually, but um, but nonetheless, housing costs have really have really risen quite significantly. And so, yeah, this is the this is the situation that we find ourselves in that um, that we're spending these really high proportions of super on housing costs. So that's so there's a lot to think about there in terms of you know the um, whether it's the rates at which you pay super, but that's obviously a big challenge to even think about changing that. Uh, whether people are in a position to save other monies for their retirement. And obviously, individual people's circumstances are different, uh, so we can't all save in the same way. Um, and then the question of, you know, what, if, what else do we think government should be doing in terms of supporting housing costs, for example? Here's an idea. Add GST to KiwiSaver fees. <laughs> Use that $225 million to help people uh, who are renting over 65. There's your idea, Alexia Russell. I mean, it's so sad that if you have not... I'm paid off your home by 65, you're going to be in a pretty precarious position. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, your income obviously um, plummets when you retire. You're faced with the prospect of moving to a tiny little box where maybe you've got all your possessions spread out over a four-bedroom home. Um, you, you know, you're, you're getting into an age where you should be enjoying life and what you're trying to do is get rid of all your possessions and squash into yeah. some dive. Um, and I, I don't know what the solution is. Is there a solution? I don't know. Is KiwiSaver the solution? Have we done enough in the KiwiSaver department right. to to get us through? Yeah, so KiwiSaver will certainly help some people. So if you've been, you know, paid in the workforce at, uh, you know, pay, pay, experiencing pay equity and you've been able to participate over the course of your, as we as it called, working life, then KiwiSaver will probably be able to help you. But, of course, it won't leave everyone in the same position if you're experiencing the gender pay gap, the ethnic pay gap, time out of paid work for, for caring and, and not contributing to KiwiSaver during that time. Um, obviously, KiwiSaver doesn't, doesn't leave everybody in the same position. It mirrors the labour market. So KiwiSaver will be one thing, um, but it's possible that we might need to think of other things to support uh, some groups of people. And there is something called the accommodation supplement, which is available for people who face high housing costs relative to low income. Yeah, someone says, I live in Wanaka, rents are so expensive and minimal availability and house prices are insane. I'm trying to save money for a deposit and run a business in town, but even I am currently homeless. I've been stealth living, no one knows, and the rent, my, and the rent money is all going to KiwiSaver. I drive a reasonable car, turned out well, and I'm booked up at work, but... Uh, I don't have a home bit of response on that. What does stealth living mean? I have no Is it like idea. Like sleeping in your car, or like, or just Could like, well be. or just going into town every night and trying to find a one night stand. I don't know. Who knows? Breaking anyway. into batches. Maybe. Yeah, breaking into batches. Yeah. Bring that back. Yeah, it's um, it really is a a, a precarious one, and it it really seems like uh, it's the time where you turn to politicians and go, can someone help us, please?
best. <laughs> because it seems so dire for so many people. I mean, there are some tweaks that they could do to try and improve things, but, you know, nobody wants to do them. I mean, remember there was a suggestion a while back that beneficiaries are automatically enrolled, enrolled in KiwiSaver and that the government puts a contribution in there so that they have something. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, here's another one here. Uh, Claire in Ototahi says, sold my house to my family and I got a tiny home with a leftover. As a social worker, I'm concerned about people over 65 unable to afford renting and living in vans or having to share with inappropriate people in poor conditions. Uh, kia ora, Claire, thank you uh, for that feedback. Well, here's one, uh, Dr Morrissey. Here's a, here's a solution, perhaps. Do you think that we might see some sort of pre-election policy change around the accommodation supplement? Because that could be quite a practical solution. Yes, the accommodation supplement's got a, a quite a low cash asset threshold at the moment. So um, people are only allowed to have $8,100 of cash assets saved, which for a lot of older people might not be enough. So that could be an area that they might want to consider so that some of these older people who are renting um, in later life can, can get some additional support. That might be one idea. Yeah. Very, very good. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Susan Morris here, uh, Policy Director uh, at the Retirement Commission. But uh, it's certainly one thing. I mean, I really feel for people who um, live in that that world of precarious living, particularly at that stage of your life, Alexia, when it's not what you're wanting to be doing, you know. You want to think of perhaps taking it easy a little more, but here mm. you can't. And, and people actually don't want to think about it. You know, my husband's always saying, when I try and say, come on, we've got to put some more into KiwiSaver. Mm. He's like, I'm going to keep working. I'm never going to stop working. Mm. But, you know, and, and a lot of people must be thinking that way. Yeah, and and of, and of course, it's not guaranteed that you can just work and work and work, right? Who is this machine? <laughs> well, he is not, and that is the thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be a crippled wreck by the time he's 60. <laughs> when, he's, when he's 85, what job's he going to be doing? I'm quite interested. Is he going to be... Well, he's going to be plastering little holes in walls for yeah. people okay. charging $100 a spot. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, you are on the panel, RNZ National. Lovely. Thank you so much for all your feedback this afternoon. Quite a lot of feedback uh, today. It's a nine to five. And on, well, kind of on a related theme, actually, this caught my eye. And I thought, well, this is something that I'd really like to highlight today. We've been talking about people getting into homes. And one Auckland company called Zeducation is aiming to improve financial skills amongst Pacifica and Māori, but also lifting home ownership amongst Pacifica people, a 10-week course followed up by a year of support. Founder and CEO of Education is Pasitoa Hofano. Malo Lele, welcome to the panel, Pasitoa. Hey, Talafa Lover Wallace. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. Hey, now... um, Personal story first, because there's quite a personal backdrop to the story, isn't there? You saw yourself how growing up there was actually quite a financial struggle. Yes. So I owe a lot to my parents and how I was raised. So my parents are from the island, so uh, Tonga and Samoa. They came here to New Zealand for a better life. They met each other, got married, and seven kids later. Um, and so they worked really long hours and I really uh, learned like you know how to work hard all my work ethics from my parents but they were working really long hours on low wages to provide for a family of seven children and so we just kind of struggled you know your typical uh, South Auckland family Pacific Island family um, and so you know and English was like the second language at home and so I kind of struggled to, to communicate or just read and write um, 
you know, I learned how to speak English just with friends at school or just watching the TV, but it wasn't enough. Um, and even just in primary school, taken out of class, away from the other kids, when it was reading and writing time, to, to get one-on-one tutoring support because I was behind mm. everyone else and I just mm. felt, man, there must be something wrong with me. You know, I really, it really impacted me as a young kid. And then going through high school, I avoided subjects like math and English because I thought, man, that's for the smart kids. Um, and then uh, I, I finally got into tertiary. I struggled there. But, yeah, education for me was pretty hard, but I got through the other side. Yeah. What really helped me keep going was what my parents instilled in me and was that education is important. It will lead to a better future and better opportunities. And it did. Yeah, we are with education. <laughs> well, it's quite an extraordinary story, and I, it's, it's wonderful to have you on the panel, uh, Professor Tawa. So, tell us about Zeducation's aims. Yeah, so Zeducation, our mission is to unleash people's greatness, and we do that through education, right? Um, and so, we're very involved in workplace training, so helping employers upskill their workforce could be digital literacy, financial literacy, leadership, communication, etc. And we're also involved in the community training space. So a lot of the mahi there is like funded, especially from MPP. And that's where our Makatsuliki program comes in, and that's helping more Pacifica people get into home ownership. Right. Yeah, I've been reading about uh, the Makatuliki program, sort of understanding things like compound interest and various uh, schemes. We've got a panel here, Apasatoa. They might uh, want a question or two. Alexia? I think I think this is absolutely fantastic because do you find I mean I know when we were trying to buy our house that it's so intimidating and if you don't know people who know about it and you can't kind of ask your mum and dad what happens yeah. and there's lawyers and there's offers and there's the whole thing is very scary and there's so much money involved mm. I mean you know do you guys help to sort of remove some of those intimidating factors to sort of is that what the education's about yeah I think one of the biggest barriers is is, is a lack of knowledge and just just support and, and understanding that space so what the education has done is is partnered with with other Pacifica or Māori uh, organisations who can help in that space. For example, we're, we, we've got a mortgage broker that we work with with Pacifica, so you might know her, Bills Muiaina. Wow. <laughs> Name drop there. There we go. You might have heard of this guy before. Yeah, we have. It's, it's all for the greater cause. So we love partnering up with them. They're lovely guys. And then um, Bob Lemalu from Ray White, who's also Pacifica, so that's a real estate agent who, you know, help them when they're ready to find a home. And then you've got the mortgage brokers who help them understand um, you know, really simply, um, you know, uh, the pre-approval uh, loan process oh, yeah. as well and, and getting ready for that. And so it's very community-oriented. So you've got partnerships like that, but also just um, creating a – holding a safe space where people can just like, hey, I don't know. Yeah, I right. Help. And they can just like – like there's other people there who are ahead of the game as well. They've got homes and they're probably looking for another one. And they're sharing their stories and experiences. So it's about cultivating and facilitating a community where they can contribute, where they can collaborate, where they can connect, and also celebrate each other's success. Whether it does, They might not be able to buy a home now, but they've got plans for it. But maybe they've paid off a debt. Like yeah. Celebrate that. Guy. Maybe they've saved up a, a few hundred dollars. It's a journey. Yeah, it, well, I, I'm one of the most ignorant pe- people when it comes to financial literacy you'll find. I, I need something like this. Whereabouts are you guys operating out of and how do people get involved? 
So uh, education is, is very much in the community. So we might um, um, hire place, uh, lease uh, places out in the community where we can hold physical um, classes face-to-face, or we do a lot of it online, so that way we can um, have people all over New Zealand jump on as well, so it's not right. just Auckland, Auckland focus. So we're trying to, we're all about helping as much people um, as possible. Great to have you on, uh, Pastor Tawa. Thank you very much for taking time for us today. You're welcome. Very good. That is uh, Pastor Tawa Hofanel, uh, the founder of uh, Education, and that program there is called Makatu Liki. It's a home ownership program, and you can just um, um, do a search on that, and you can get in touch with them. But I wanted to highlight that as an example of um, a, a credible grassroots organisation doing something in the community. Yeah, I love the fact that they're also doing digital literacy yeah. because that is a massive thing, especially for our older communities. Especially if, as you know, everyone, banks etc., move all online, and you can't just rock up to a cashier anymore. A lot of people who are missing out um, because they, they don't. <laughs> want to no, I got the I got the cookies, man. I've been eating the iced animal God, cookies all day. He's now made all his way the through half the I've eaten a few. They oh, are they are wow. they're kind of the worst and they're kind of the best. Ungrateful. Ungrateful, ungrateful <laughs> panelists. I'm t- I'm gonna enjoy myself with some Metallica, all right? Okay. Yeah, you enjoy. Right, well, you like your nice right. Bye bye. I'm Wallace Chapman, Guy Williams, Alexi Russell with me. A bit of Metallica here, taking us to oh, Lisa Owen Metallica. and Cheek Point. I'm back tomorrow, 3:45. Till then.